I'm Ra Key and this is the My Small Business Life podcast. Every week we talk to small businesses from a diverse range of backgrounds to understand what it's really like to be your own boss. From startups to scale-ups, if you work in a small business or are thinking of starting one, we will be sharing our insights and advice about the realities of working for yourself. In this episode, we talk to Kim Marshall and Darlene Fisk from Swell Public Relations, who are both experts in the global wellness industry. So hello, Kim. Hello, Darlene. Hello from Los Angeles. And hello from hot Austin, Texas. I'm so jealous of both of you at the moment. I'm in cloudy, humid London. It's great to catch up with you. Although this is going out on a podcast, I can physically see you on Zoom at the moment, which is delightful as always. So thanks so much for sending over some of the information that I was reading through to research our conversation today. And I will get to the, the background of what you do and what Swell is in a second. But an interesting statistic popped up in the information you'd sent, which is where I wanted to start. and. That is that 67% of businesses did not have a crisis communications plan in place prior to the pandemic. Now, was that just in the wellness industry or was that business as a whole? That was business as a whole. And Kim and I were asked to do a session for the Global Wellness Summit on PR after the pandemic. And that was found in some of our research an interesting thing on the on that actual call, it was a Zoom call, we asked everyone to raise their hand who had a crisis communications plan and a little bit, like about 20% maybe raised their hand and we asked how many pulled it out to use it when the pandemic hit and nobody, not one person raised their hand. So our whole point of that lesson or that masterclass was shred it. I mean, you've really got to be prepared for what's coming next, but the crisis communications plan is sort of a a dinosaur and maybe needs to get, you know, shred and recreated. And so we gave some tips on on how to do that and really how to sort of structure your communications from the top down for when it hits, you know, how you're talking to all different parties. And also it's because the situation is so unique. Usually if it's a crisis, it's maybe someone dies in your hotel or there's a hurricane or tornado or a fire, but this is the entire planet ripple effect coupled with racial unrest. And it's open and close, close and open. People are on such a yo-yo roller coaster that uh, communications becomes a daily thing. It isn't just one plan. You have to revisit it and take the temperature of your business every day, actually. So one thing that has been exposed then in this pandemic, and then having the the double crisis, if you like, of the Black Lives Matter movement in the USA, is that people hopefully are developing a bit of self-awareness about the fact that they didn't have the right communication strategy in place. How much of that are you seeing, if at all, in terms of awareness from the businesses that you're talking to? Well, I'll go first because there's a big pitfall. One is inauthenticity. I mean, I have dear friends. She's a beautiful black girl who graduated a a wonderful university in LA, USC, and he is Dominican and Cuban, and they just are, you know, right out of central casting. And I said to them after the unrest, 
do you guys want free resorts days? Because everybody wants to feed their Instagram or fill their Instagram feed with people of color. And that new word BIPOC, BIPOC or whatever, biracial people of color, you know, indigenous people of color. I got a story pitch the other day and it was like, and remember, BIPOC stories will be given priority. And I thought, ow, are you just doing that as like, as you should? Or are you, you know, intrinsically looking at how you approach business and life and humans? So this inauthenticity is a pitfall, really. Darlene, was there anything that you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I'll add that, you know, in the beginning, back in March, when the pandemic hit and things started closing, one of our biggest challenges was, you know, everybody was putting out a message about due to COVID, we are closed or here are cleaning methods and here it just became a copy and paste situation over and over to where it meant nothing anymore. Like it just, people were tuning it all out. So a lot of what we did in those very early weeks was, you know, help our clients craft messaging that really spoke to them and where they were and who their customers were and what business they were in and made it really more personal than just a cut and paste we're closing here's how we're cleaning things here's what you'll you know see when you come there's sanitization practices in place we're doing it five times a day so we tried to keep the personality of the brand you know throughout all of those communications and are still doing it today as things change and they open up and here are the new safety protocols but but in a way that really makes sense for who they are. And we also try to share good examples. I mean, I was sharing on that webinar that, you know, in the days of the looting in Los Angeles, however it happened, it did get the west side of town's attention. And I will tell you, when it comes out from downtown to the west side to clear out where I live between Santa Monica and Malibu, okay, now people are paying attention, right? But somebody painted on their wall Everyone was painting on the clapboard or the plywood, Black Lives Matter, but someone said, I forgive you, I understand. And I thought, oh, that is so touching. And then some of the companies that said things like, Nordstrom's was one of them, that said, look, merchandise and building material can be replaced, but lives lost can't. And we, we aim to really listen. And I mean, it was just so moving. So if we could learn from each other, that's what we should do. Yeah, I saw some of those messages for smaller businesses that had been impacted as well. The, the grace that you must have within you to not think about yourself and think about the other person. And I guess that's what you try and help your clients with anyway. That's what PR professionals do. So you are both experts have been working for a very long time in the wellness industry. The word wellness encompasses a lot of different things. So for the benefit of people listening who, who don't really understand, what does that mean? Well, the word has been used and overused and it's getting a little diluted now, but it really started, I think, in the spa industry when people back in, anyway, in North America, the founder of destination spas, it's, it's called Rancho La Puerta. It's right over the border in Mexico, but the whole philosophy was, uh, joyful longevity, taking responsibility for your own well-being. So it's proactive wellness. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, the grandmothers used to say that. So it's being aware, oh, I can move. I can eat right. I can be joyful. I can do good for others. And I don't just wait to break down. So when you apply that in your life, and now with our challenge of 
the COVID shutdown and mental health being so important, people are realizing, oh my God, taking a minute to meditate, to move, to do something loving for someone else, reach out to neighbors, see how they're doing, drop off cookies in somebody's door with your mask on. All those things add up to a better, healthier life so that you don't just wait for your machine to break and then go on high blood pressure medicine. Blah, blah, blah. It's also the realization that the majority of disease and death, premature death, is lifestyle-induced. Obesity, smoking, sedentary lifestyle. You know, And hey, that does not have to happen to me. I don't just have to depend on pills to make it through the day. So that wellness has now morphed into all these fields. For instance, wellness real estate. That's a bubbling field right now because the wealthy have said, I will never be caught with my pants down again. I'm going to have a home that has air filters. I'm going to have a massage room, salt inhalation room, you know, and communities. There's all like Nona we're going to interview this week. And there's a place called Serenby. I never can say it outside of Atlanta, where the whole thing is made with walking paths and green space. So wellness real estate. So Darlene and I have worked on a company that was healthy vitamins, multivitamins that were pure, weighted blankets to help you get that all important sleep, beauty products that are gender neutral, life affirming, you know, accepting, nutrition, weight loss, good old alternative medicine, of course, and then hot springs, wellness in the workplace. This is so important for business, like practice what you preach, have stand up desks you know, listen to your employees, have open communication, do good for others as a company. So we really believe that now we're facing, after this shutdown, a real wellness revolution. And we're here to help. (laughs) Amazing. It encompasses so many different types of businesses, though. And one of the statistics I read from 2018 was that the global wellness economy is worth $4.5 trillion dollars. So as a small business of two people with some additional support occasionally, how on earth do you prepare yourselves to target such a huge market? Yes, the number is mind-boggling. And it's funny, every new client that we speak with, talking to them about their business, they know this stat. So hats off to the Global Wellness Institute for getting this information out into the public. And that's one of the things that Kim and I have done as well as we use this in a lot of our pitching to the media. The Global Wellness Institute is a wealth of information, science about different, you know, health modalities. Just, it breaks down even this $4.5 trillion market into different bubbles. And Kim's touched on a lot of them. Wellness tourism is one. Personal care, beauty, and anti-aging is one bubble. Um, It's the largest bubble at $1.083 billion. Physical activity is another one, and that encompasses like working out, also meditation, rehab. So these bubbles are a lot of different sectors. And what Kim and I also try to do is infiltrate a little bit of, you know, each bubble. We want our hand and um, our footprint and our swell name sort of floating around in all of the bubbles. So how do we do that? One of the things that we did was early on when the pandemic hit, and we'll talk about the Global Wellness Summit a lot on this call, because we work so closely with them, but we, we had the idea to come up to do a Instagram live uh, interview with leaders in the wellness space 
and it's five questions in 10 minutes, although they never last 10 minutes because it's such great content. And we do it twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, really to understand how different areas in the wellness space have had to cope through COVID. And so we've interviewed Pietro Simone Skincare. We've interviewed Jean Godfrey June, a beauty editor at uh, goop.com. Martin Palmer, who is a theologian environmentalist. Philip Boyen, the Forbes Travel Guide CEO. Someone from Mind Body, a face yoga method. So we're trying to, as we market and and do things to help other people and to help the, the global wellness community, we're also sort of touching all of those bubbles in a nice, non-threatening way. Non-threatening, I like that. First rule of business, don't be threatening to your potential clients. <laughs> so would you say that your approach is quite networking-led? Because what you can't do is spread yourself too thinly across a you know, four and a half trillion dollar market. So would you say it's more networking led in terms of the people you know and exploring their needs and their businesses? I would say it is, but also taking advantage of, you know, getting involved in the right nonprofits. I mean, the Global Wellness Institute is a nonprofit research arm. And Darlene and I have totally donated our time to do those interviews, those leader live casts. I mean, it isn't easy to arrange them. And every day that I interview the CEO or whatever, I do three hours of research and I prep the questions because you don't look like a dummy, you know, but we do that for free, but it puts us front and center in front of these leaders that I, you know, I've been wanting to have a conversation with lots of them. <laughs> so it's, it's really been good, good exposure. Absolutely. It's the best form of marketing really. And especially if it's time rather than money, that's a cost effective way of doing things, particularly at the moment. So you've both had very successful careers independently in PR, and you still have very successful careers in PR. But what brought you together? What prompted you to partner up to form Swell? Well, I think that adaptability, flexibility, and uh, new approaches are what keeps a business fresh. I mean, for Pete's sake, I started my firm in 1995, okay? And, you know, we don't get younger as the years go by. So as you get into the communication styles changing, you need sometimes people that speak a language another way than you do, or just enhance it. So this was very interesting. Darlene and I knew each other from afar, but we were competitors. Let's be honest. PR people that have their niche, they're competitors. And we'd been burned with other competitors that act all nice and then want to steal your contacts or do this or do that. So we were like, hmm. But all at one time, we just got together and realized what we had in common and how kind of cool each other were. And we said, well, one of our mutual friends said, come on, you guys do this. And we're like, ew, ew, maybe we should. It was like a friend ma matched us up, you know. But it isn't easy because when you have run your own show for a number of years, you're the boss. You have the final say. So instead, we became equal partners right down the middle and we run it by each other. And we have to listen to each other's edits and feedback. And you don't like it. You don't want it. You're like, hey, I know exactly what I'm doing. But that's why we did it. So we get better. So the whole thing, two things, two heads are better than one. Also, a couple other things. Each of us communicate. Of course, each of us write. Each of us can do all the things that each other can do. But 
there's nuances that are better. So I always say Darlene is linear and she's really good at getting things lined up and going and not forgetting the details. And I'm like big picture and woo people and stuff. So together we make a perfect person, I always say. <laughs> also, we made a rule. Things evolve. You, you learn as you go. But there are times when people know me better or know her better or like me better or like her better. That doesn't mean that one of us goes away and the other one isn't involved. No, we train them. Oh, okay, well, we'll adapt and do it this way. But we're partners in this. We sort of took that marriage vow, you might say. <laughs> and then we double check in with each other. She's from a different region of the country than I am. We also don't have to be in the same room every day. That helps too, right? And I just think that you bring that to a client. My sensibilities are West Coast. Hers are, you know, where she lives. She works still for a very famous destination spa. So she's front and center with viable, important journalists all the time because she's taking them touring on that spa resort and her other clients. I, on the other hand, have been around since Adam, and I know a lot of the people. So when I go to interview someone, it comes with a depth of experience and maybe shared experience that puts us on sort of a level playing field. So it's it's really a wonderful combo, but it's a marriage. We just celebrated our two year anniversary in June. So happy anniversary, Kim. I'll drink to that, even if it's water. Like all marriages, they have their ups and downs. How do you deal with those then, being such different personalities? Your turn, Dolly. <laughs> I hate confrontation. I hate it. And Kim knows it. But, you know, you have to talk it out. You have to talk it out. Like, email's not ever good. Text is never good. Just pick up the phone and call. And also, if you're in the wellness space, you can take a, a flower alchemy consultation and... <laughs> And you can get some serum called Truth Teller, and it makes you use your voice more. And so I've been doing that and trying to work on better communications, you know, with my fellow friends and peers and colleagues. And But I think communication is the key. And that's the business we're in, so we should be, you know, pretty good at it. But, you know, sometimes we're not. We also love to text each other during Zoom calls when clients are being crazy. And yesterday, Darlene said, I think we should do a book or a blog with all this back and forth. We're like, oh, no, no, we get fired. But also, I just think, you know, when the time comes, it is just like any relationship. In-person time really helps. We, if we don't get together, we don't see each other, we don't remember why we both love wellness and like each other, you know? So Darlene arranged us for, to speak at some, I don't know, real estate conference or something. And we had so much fun. We got great rooms. We were able to, you know, party and hike and do whatever and activities. And it just, it's like any relationship. You just have to keep working on it. Great. So you started in 95, Kim. Darlene, when did you start your career in PR? I started out as the director of sales and marketing at this destination spa in Austin. And then after 10 years of working there, I started my business. So that was in 2007. So I have been doing PR independently, you know, from a property or brand since 2007. I started long before that. That's just when I launched my own business. Ah, I see. I worked for other companies first. Right. Yeah. So even in the time that Darlene has been doing it, the PR industry has changed a hell of a lot, especially with social media coming into play because a lot of people in social media, I guess, 
would consider themselves to be PR professionals these days. What changes have you seen in the time that you've been in PR and what have been some of the challenges? It has changed like crazy. And I'll tell you what stayed the same. And one thing that, is, that is, has stayed the same is that we are storytellers and we're managers of our clients' reputations. And that is not just in media placement. I mean, not that long ago, you know, you would write a press release and you would send it out to your list of 500 people and they would actually write you back and they would say, I want to do a story. And you would set up an interview and you would send them photographs and you would get press. That hasn't happened in a very long time. And because of the, you know, the crash of the publishing world, magazines are struggling online has becoming more and more popular and and more vitally important because of seo and that's where people consume information and so our jobs really are to help navigate our clients down that path like what makes the most sense for them who are they who is their um, audience who are they trying to reach and then how do we get there so sometimes that is a lot of traditional PR media placement. Sometimes that is a lot of content writing and helping writing, you know, spa treatment menus and descriptions. Sometimes it's running logos by us. Sometimes it's helping them draft a response to TripAdvisor because they don't know what to say or how to say it or how to give those types of answers. So, and then social media is a whole other, you know, new outlet and way of people talking to one another. And it's great because each company can have their own chain of communications which is and it's free and if they use it wisely they can be very successful at it but a lot of people still don't believe in it they don't you know well show me the ROI well there are ways to prove that but it takes a lot of work to get to that point and a lot and sometimes money to get these reports so you know it's always a challenge to sort of introduce new things to to our clients but they trust us and they listen to us and it's also very exciting to see these new things pop up and like okay how can we use this now to you know reach the goals of, of what our clients have yeah i have to vouch for darlene she is fearless on the old instagram front and she's like no you can do it you could do it and when we're doing our leader live cast she's like hold the tab and it will show up and just do that while you're manipulating the guy and your questions and whatever and i'm like and I've tried it so many times and I hit the camera and it flips the wrong direction. It shows my husband's desk and all this thing. And then one day she did the leader live cast. And I was like, yes, because she knew the pressure of trying to do it all. I couldn't wait to finally do what I had been telling her to do. I'm like, I'm going to show her. This is how you do it. And I did it and it didn't work. And I'm like, the button's not there. Oh my gosh, the button. She goes, I've told you that over and over. I'm like, okay, fine. So funny. But we're still learning too. We learn every day about something new. Sure, um, I think everyone's had to up their tech literacy game in lockdown. How do you then compete with millennials who are sitting in their rooms getting hits on websites because they're SEO literate? How do you compete with that as a professional PR agency? Because it's easy for clients to be lured in with the hits and the cheapness. Well, we've noticed that especially post COVID or during COVID money is so precious. I mean, they take it, they take their budget and they're like, Oh my God, this could be the last thing I ever see. Right. They come from a feeling of loss and um, they want to stack the deck in their favor. 
So when you put savvy in the way that you communicate these days, along with experience and knowledge of the wellness industry, we say to them all the time, okay, go try to find someone that has, that can save you from yourself because people think they've happened upon wellness and it's new, you know, and they're like, Oh my God, we're going to offer meditation. And, blah, blah, blah. and we're like, Oh my God, they've been doing that for, you know, so we can help position that they built literally a better mousetrap where other people are just like, yeah, isn't that cool? So we always say that we've stacked the deck in our favor so that we can carve out your story and put the train on the right track and it will go there for years to come. So you're investing in your future. You may pay us for 12 months, but you're really investing in your forever. So, so it's a longer term plan strategy really, rather than a transactional, here's a campaign, let's try and get some hits on the website. Well, it's got roots. If you read an Instagram post half the time, it's like, do you even know what you're talking about? You know, it is so trite. And then we're back to that word authenticity. They're not all trite. Some are really amazing. I have really wonderful millennial friends and I love their passion, but some of them are just really pleased. And, you know, people are like, am I really a part of that? Yeah. And we're talking about um, millennials and digital tech gurus, right? Versus influencers. Because, yeah, yeah. Well, explain that a bit more to people that don't know the difference. Well, I'd say that, you know, there are probably a lot of experts in the field of SEO, search engine optimization, which is a natural way of getting your website into the top few slots when someone goes to search for something on the internet. And then influencers, of course, are personalities that have a following and that could be on a blog or it could be on Facebook. It's usually on Instagram. Now it's on TikTok as well. And sometimes YouTube. So TikTok, you know, let's talk about another way you've got to like stay up with the times. Are you on there? And, and so they come to us all the time asking, you know, can we come visit such and such spa for four nights with my family of six? And in exchange, we'll do two Instagram posts three stories and a blog post. And it's just, you know, infuriating. And there's really, there's no way to measure their value. They have media kits, but that, you know, is something that they put together on their own. And there's no really way to justify their cost and what they bring to the table unless they're actually bringing bookings in, which, you know, is what we're all trying to do. And there are ways to do that. It just takes work on all ends. It takes the digital team, from the property, it takes the influencer and it takes someone sort of wrangling all of these elements and creating a statement of work and making sure, you know, for this one influencer, we've got a contract signed and we're going to, you know, blow the gates off of it. But it takes a lot to, to move the needle in that area and to get the results that you want to get. But, you know, it's got to be done because like Kim said, there are some people out there who uh, really know their stuff and who are great professionals. Uh, that can move the needle. So you just have to know the right ones. So you are working with these people on behalf of your clients? Yes. Okay. Well, we introduce them to our clients. So we go out and find them. For instance, the Springs Resort and Spa in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. It's home to the deepest geothermal hot spring in the world. We wanted to find some influencers that were, you know, very outdoors, fitness focused, very natural, not fashion not a lot of like collaborations with Oreo cookies, things like that, with high engagement and decent followings, decent meaning, you know, probably nine to 
50,000 and up, the higher you get, the more they like to charge on top of, you know, giving them a free stay. So we find those people. And those usually aren't the people who are coming to the client saying, knock, knock, we want to come. You've got to go out and find these people because they don't need you. You need them. So we do that. So Darlene, at the beginning you were talking about, and Kim, you were talking about the responses going into lockdown. Some not so great, some slightly more competent. Now that the wellness industry is emerging and certainly spas, hotels, are starting to open in the UK. I don't know if that's the case in the US, you can let me know. What is the advice that you are giving to businesses at the moment in terms of how they can try and regain some of the lost status? People are craving touch. You know, we haven't been able to hug for so long, except the same four people. But it's really knowing how to protect your clients and still get them in there. For instance, I don't know if it's still open, but a couple of weeks ago, a massage place opened near me that I always go to. And they were so nervous and I was nervous and they were careful and I was so, you know, awed by their effort. But, and we both wore a mask through the whole thing. And she was such a good massage therapist. But when I turned over, I realized, you know how they do your neck and you're looking right up at them. She had a mask, I had a mask. And I thought, is that enough? This is just a little too scary for me. So I don't know if I'll come back. As good as it felt. And then in one of our interviews, researching, we found out our friend who has a spa equipment company, they make massage tables, et cetera. They had developed a shield that comes bending up between you and the therapist. Imagine a therapist sitting at your head and the shield is right there. And I was like, oh my God, now if I would have had that. And then my girlfriend's doing private massage and she said, I'm ordering one, send it to me. So it's really ways to do the right thing, to do the smart thing, to set the good example. I mean, I said this on a webinar yesterday, we are wellness. So let us not make this political. We're trying to save lives too. We're trying to enhance lives and help save lives. So we set the example in doing it right. We know that people need touch, they need healing, they need their pores extracted. <laughs> so how can we help our clients make sure that they're doing everything they can from everything we know and then communicate that? Our advice would be go slow, don't do it too quickly. But if you do, you know, okay, we're here for you. A lot of them have opened up pretty quickly and we're by their side helping them however we can. But you have to kind of think about six months from now or 12 months from now, is there something that we should be thinking about offering that is going to be needed then? Kim and I are seeing a lot of people sort of, you know, doing the same thing and, and preparing for that and thinking about wellness six months, a year from now, Whereas a lot of our you know, clients who are operating now are sort of in the moment, but we'll encourage them to think ahead and be innovative. We had an occasion, this is just one example, but one of our clients is open in Colorado and someone wrote that was a radio host and I read the query about masks and it just sounded a little sticky to me. Like perhaps they were trying to get the place to take sides on the political mask statement so I was so thrilled that they sent it to us first and we could help them craft a measured and careful response because, you know, you don't want to be caught in the middle of a political firestorm. It, it will last. Those social media and online answers or to a media person, they last forever. So, you know, go gently, our friends, go gently. And so just to explain for people who don't really understand the U.S. 
political climate, the wearing of a mask or not wearing one has become almost a Republican versus Democrat thing in the US. Although the president was wearing a mask, I saw the other day in a, in a medical center somewhere. So okay, that's very important. So you're actually helping people to filter out those slightly potentially tone deaf messages that could be going out. So in yes. the little bit of time that we have left, I did want to talk about the Global Wellness Summit because I know you are both heavily involved and it is actually a huge event every year that lots of people are involved in. Even if you don't work in the wellness industry, lots of people have heard of it. Who would like to give me a little summary of what it is and your involvement? Well, the founder, Susie Ellis, is an old friend. She was, she's a twin. She looks like a blonde Barbie doll, but then when you get to know her, she's one of the most brilliant people you ever met in your life on top of being beautiful, which is very upsetting. <laughs> and she has an MBA and research means a lot to her. I didn't even know it. When I worked at the Golden Door, one of the most famous spas in the US, people would say, do you know the twins? Do you know Susie and her sister? Because they were very famous and they married wealthy men who came to the door for, for men's week. So there you go. But later... She, we worked together at the International Spa Association, and then we worked together with spa finders that her husband bought. And then he wanted a global voice in the spa industry. And I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, she started this summit, and her goal was to have the meeting every year in a different country to really make it global. And I think I've been to seven or eight, and it's so encouraging because the trouble with America is many times it's a very narrow view. So when you make a friend from Switzerland, from Bali, from China, from it is so really edifying that you go, oh my gosh, it's like you turned your head and there's a whole other world back there. So that's what the summit does. And they've changed their name to the Global Wellness Summit, not the Global Spa Summit. They brought in medicine, they brought in, you know, tech. It's just so cool. So last year it was in Singapore. It was going to be in Hong Kong, but because of the political unrest there, they moved it to Singapore. And they ask us to please help them because we always try to help with communications and everything's volunteer. And they said, would you help us make the sponsors feel warm and fuzzy and as the most value they can get out of it? And I, I came up with this idea because I don't know where I was thinking about it. And I came to uh, Darlene and said, let's do a podcast for them. And I met someone who has a podcast and uses a great production company. And she's like, what are you talking about? We don't produce podcasts. I'm like, just hold with me believe this for a little bit. I thought there's no way. I'm like, what are you talking about? We've never done a podcast. Kim, I can't do this. <laughs> but that's how she's so great, big picture. Like, let's do this. We've got it. Anyway, continue. We were able to interview all the major speakers and our podcast production company was so great A that the sound and the, you know, the label, sorry, the branding they did, the music they cut into it, we interviewed billionaires from China, from India. We interviewed the guy who is doing the most with the gut biome measurement, a jet lag app developer who works with NASA. I mean, so many people, the former Surgeon General, the Editor-in-Chief of Prevention. These are at least half hour conversations where you really, it's like an intimate exchange. And then funny enough, in January, the Global Wellness Summit puts out a trend report that they amass with all their research and their tentacles around the world. And one of the trends was wellness music or audible wellness, that the thing of hearing it and consuming it in your ears was gonna really, really grow. And they included podcasts in that. Well, it kind of came true because right after that, the shutdown came. 
And for our podcast alone, it only had 20 something episodes up. The listenership and downloads grew by 650%. And I found a new calling in life. You really have, it's amazing. So we're gonna wrap up now, but if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Do you wanna give the website a plug? Yes, they can uh, visit the website. It's called swellpublicrelations.com and they can email us at info at swellpublicrelations.com and we'll get right back to them. Fantastic. Ladies, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. I can't promise that the production is going to be grade A or as good, as good as your podcast, but we will do our best to let people find out about you in the UK. Hey, listen, I applaud you because this is the way to do it. You know, small business, we've got to hug each other and help each other survive. And if, if anything we've said inspires anyone else, I'm all for it. Don't give up. Hang in there, people. Oh, I'm sure it will. It's worth it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rocky. It was great. Thanks for having us. We love you. You've been listening to the My Small Business Life podcast produced by Tigris Management. For more information, visit tigrismanagement.com with special thanks to Gareth Shelton of Pop-Up Painting.